So today we are going to start a brand new series called God's Will Is. All right, and it's going to be it's going to be a short series. It's going to be incredibly brief. In fact, it is going to last exactly one week. That's all I got. So we're going to try to cram as much as we can into one week. And I want to try to answer or at least give you a picture of this idea of what is God's will for our lives? I think it's something that every Christian who, who's accepted Christ as their Savior and then began just to walk with Him has wondered, what does God want me to do? What is it that He is calling me to do? What is it He is asking me to do? I mean, let's be honest. How many of you in here have ever asked the question, God, what in the world do you want me to do? Anyone? Yeah, that's right. Those of you who didn't answer, raise your hands. You were just like, I don't know if God wants me to or not. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, I was thinking about this. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if God just like gave direct personal guidance in like tangible form? Like, wouldn't it be cool if we could like get uh, like an email just once a year, okay? Just get an email outlining what our year is supposed to look like. What are we supposed to do? What are we not supposed to do? I mean, that would be nice. And then as we go throughout the year, God could just do like text alerts. You know, you're going through life and you're about to do something that you shouldn't do. God sends you bzz, bzz. Don't do it, God. Thanks, got it. I'm walking away. You know, I mean, it would be so easy. And I was thinking about it in our modern age. I was like, all right, the best would be if God put Facebook posts, all right? I'm telling you, you could not ignore it because it would be out there for the world to see. And we all know it's not official till it's on Facebook, all right? You know, and, and hey, hey, I saw on your Facebook the other day, God's telling you to do this. Yeah, thanks. We wouldn't be able to get away from it. Yeah, we joke, but the truth is, I have people come to me all the time. Pastor Justin, ah, what do you think God wants me to do with my life? I mean, I accepted him. I asked him to come into my heart. He's made me this new person, and I want to walk with him, and I start reading his word, and I, I'm just confused because there's so many decisions, and, and there's so much that the Bible doesn't say. That the Bible doesn't tell me where I should go to college. The Bible doesn't tell me how many kids I should have. The Bible doesn't tell me who I should marry. The Bible doesn't tell me which job I should take. The Bible doesn't tell me when I should retire, whether I should sell the house or keep the house, whether I should remodel. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't give me the answers to any of those things. It doesn't tell me if I should go to Taco Bell or Pizza Hut for dinner. I just don't know what, that's a tough one, I'm telling you. I deal with that all the time. It just, I, I just don't know what to do. Well, here's the deal. I, I want you guys to know that God wants you to know his will. Good news. God wants you to know his will, and he's put tons in scripture about it. In fact, I want you to turn to Ephesians 5.17. Turn to Ephesians 5.17. It's going to be our starting passage. And then if you want to, you can also flip over, put your finger, mark it, highlight it, and we're going to be in Colossians 3.17 as well. So Ephesians 5.17 and then Colossians 3.17. We're going to look at these passages, we're going to dig down, and we're going to just try to shine a little light on God's will for our lives. So, Ephesians 5.17 says this, Therefore, do not be foolish. That word for foolish is a nice way of saying stupid. Don't be stupid. Don't be uninformed is the literal Greek meaning. Don't be clueless as to, notice, as to God's will for your life. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Is. That word for understand, it literally means to reconcile. The idea is taking all the pieces and to begin putting them together so that you can see the big picture that's God's plan for your life. Now, before we go any further, I just I have a couple asterisks, a couple footnotes that I, I want to insert here to help you understand just the importance 
of God's will. Because there are some of you sitting in the audience today, and, and I've been there. I've sat in the seat, and I've heard the pastor speak, and I've ignored it. Because I thought my way was okay. I thought I was doing pretty good going my own way, doing things my way instead of God's way. About following my plan for my life instead of God's plan. God's plan, you know, eh, that's just too hard. I'm having fun. Let me tell you from experience. God's, you know, God's plan, we may look at it and think it's great, but it's fun to do things our own way for a while. We may look at God's plan and think, okay, maybe, but you know what? I'm going to enjoy things more doing it my way. But it only lasts for a season. Because let me tell you, what happens is that eventually it will destroy you and it will wreck your life and it will leave you empty and alone and you will lose everything you've ever cared about. Solomon puts it this way in Proverbs 14, 12. He says, there is a path before each person that seems right. There's a path and it looks good. There's success and wealth and relationships and everything is great and it looks good. But it ends in death. Death of everything you ever cared about. Death of your, your soul and you end up lonely and lost and alone. Listen, I've been in your shoes and so I can say it with complete confidence knowing that I've lived that. God's way is best. I also want to throw out there for those of you who may be thinking you're too mature, <coughs> old, for God's will. Listen, you're not. God's will never stops. God's plan for your life never ends. God has a purpose, and he wants to do amazing things in your life. Just because you've retired from the workforce doesn't mean you've retired from God's plan for your life. Listen, Paul writes to Titus, and who was a young pastor, he says, Titus, I want you to go out and I want you to find all the godly men and women, all the elders out there, and I want you to bring them in so they can train the young men and women, so they can mentor them. Understand, I'm a student pastor here at Fellowship in the Rockies, and I got uh, just a whole group of teens. Man, they need some mature men and women of God to come in and to speak truth into their lives to come in and to love on them, to come in and to teach them how to be godly men and women, how to be godly husbands, godly wives, how to take care of a family, how to walk in God's will and his ways and his plan. They need you in their lives. Many of them who don't even have grandparents or their grandparents are so far away, they just need someone to love on them. Teenagers, aren't your things? It's okay, we've got a children's ministry over here who there's just tons of kids who just need a safe place and need someone to love on them so their parents can come in here, draw close to God and worship Him. Listen, God has a plan for your life wherever you are. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I'm doing pretty good. I'm following God, I'm walking. Listen, God wants to take you further. God's got more. God's plan for your life never stops regardless of where you are. Listen, let me just make this clear. If you are not daily walking in God's plan for your life, you are daily missing out on his blessing in your life. If you are not daily walking in God's plan for your life, you are daily missing out on his blessing for your life. Because you, if you are not walking in God's will, he cannot bless your life. God says, I want to, I want to pour out my blessings, but you have to walk in my will. So, 
here's the deal. I want to try to show you a big picture. I'm going to draw out some stuff that I hope will bring together all these pieces and help you understand just more about what God's will is and how you can apply it to your life, all right? I learned this from Pastor Stephen Furtick. He's a, he's a pastor of Elevation Church in North Carolina. And I saw this and the light bulb went on. I was like, wow. Why have I never seen that before? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to compress a slew of theological concepts. Slew is redneck for a bunch, in case you don't speak redneck. I'm going to compress a bunch of theological concepts into three circles, all right? So first big circle, you can draw this out on your notes, draw it out on your bulletin. I had one lady last night came and showed me she'd drawn it out on her arm so she'd remember it. All right, so big circle here, first big idea here. First, we have the works of God, all right? We gotta work from the outside in, all right? The works of God are just the things of God that he has ordained will happen and nothing's gonna stop them. You know, theologians call it the sovereign will of God. Understand that what God sets in motion, it's gonna happen. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. It doesn't matter if you want to be a part of it or not. It's going to happen. Creation. All right? God didn't call together some universal assembly and like, let's vote on this. And what order should we do? No. God spoke it, and it was. All right? The Exodus. Fast forward. All right? God went to Moses, and he said, Moses, it's time to lead my people out of Egypt, it's time to free them. I've heard their call. I was like, God, I don't think I can do it. I stutter. I got this. I got this. I got this. And God goes, that's okay. You're not going to do it. I'm going to do it because it's going to happen. I've decided. It's my works. It's my sovereign will. And man, probably the biggest one of all that we see throughout the pages of scriptures is that from the moment Adam and Eve took that fruit in the garden and sin entered the world, God set in motion a plan that would send his son to live a perfect life on earth, be crucified, and then raise again three days later so that we could find redemption. A plan that nothing could stop, that even Satan and hell itself could not prevent from happening because it was a work of God. It was his sovereign will. This is what we talk about when we talk about God's kingdom and the big things he wants to do. All right? Second circle, all right? And, and this, is, this is how most of us have grown up. This is what most of us have been taught, that it works in this order. The second circle inside of this is the ways of God. All right? Then we have the ways of God. Now, the ways of God, theologians refer to this as the, the moral law, the moral code that he has put out there for us. What these are is these are guidelines which govern our everyday life, our interactions with other people, and our relationship with God. All right? Ten commandments. All right, we've all heard the Ten Commandments. We all know the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Shall have no other gods before me. They're, they're moral codes. They're principles that we live by. All right, in the New Testament, we have the Beatitudes. All right, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the meek. All of those. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, and then Jesus goes on to tell us things like, you know, love your enemies and, and all of these things. We have all of his parables that teach us truths about everything from how we should spend money to, to how we should treat our neighbor. And then Paul, the chunk of the New Testament is just those instructions to churches and how we should live as a church and a body and act together. All of these things. Now, the ways of God, as you read through Scripture, are incredibly clear. All right, when you read through Scripture and God outlines one of the ways, one of the principles, the codes that we're supposed to live by, it's there and it's clear. But they're not always easy. In fact, they rarely are easy. 
Because here's the deal. It interferes with our life and the way we want to live our life. It's God's ways are not necessarily cool because it's not what the world is doing. It's not how the world is living its life. God's ways are not convenient because they will almost 99.9% of the time call us clean out of our comfort zone. To, to have us do something that goes very against the very core of who we are. Our human nature is screaming, no, but God is saying yes. The ways of God. All right, I mean, think about it. I mean, it, it starts out with some of those things we think about, you know, don't commit adultery, don't commit murder. Yeah, we get that, but it goes deeper than that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. I am the way. He says, you need to know me. You need to accept me. You need to ask me into your life and make me Lord and Savior of all that you are. And and then once you do that, once you begin that new life in Christ, he says, you need to be baptized. You need to make the public profession and let everyone else know. And then once you're baptized, you you go out and you you join the church and you become a member of the church. It doesn't mean you just show up every day, God says. He says, my ways say you come to church and you get involved. You join a life group. You begin to serve. You begin to give. God's ways, not always easy. He says, then you go home. You love your spouse. You love your kids. You love your neighbors. You love your enemies. Mm, Really, God? Do I have to? (laughs) He says, be men and women of honesty and integrity, of humility, of grace and love. All of these things. God says, these are my ways. This is how I'm commanding you to live your life. Then we have circle three. And this is what most of us view as the bullseye. This is where it's all at. This is God's will, all right? These are the specific details in our lives, all right? These are the things, the answers to just tough questions that we don't know what to do, you know? The Bible may give us a piece, but it doesn't give us the whole thing. Like, for instance, the Bible says that children are a blessing from God. Those of us who are parents, we question that verse sometimes. But that's what the Bible says, that they're a blessing from the Lord. But the Bible doesn't tell us how many we're supposed to have. Is it okay to stop at one? Do you have to have even numbers? God doesn't say. We don't know. Another one. I grew up with this idea and this thinking, and and, and I'm sure some of you got this too, this idea that, you know what? There is one perfect person that you're supposed to meet and fall in love and get married. And if you don't meet that perfect person, if you don't get married to that perfect person, then you've missed the boat. Anyone else grow up being taught that, learning that? Okay, like three of you. I'm officially calling my pastor and letting him know how badly he led me astray. That might be an awkward call because my pastor was my dad growing up. But uh, we've got this idea, all right? And we process it in our heads and we think, man, there's that one perfect person. But, But here's the deal. That means that if Heather and I had not gotten married, all right, let's say we were the two perfect ones God had, you know, ordained from the beginning of time we were to be married. If we hadn't gotten married, not only would Heather be missing out on just the amazing privilege of spending, (laughs) no, not only would I be missing out, but here's the deal, now Whoever Heather married was supposed to marry someone else, was supposed to marry someone else, was supposed to marry someone else. Whoever I end up marrying was supposed to marry someone else, supposed to marry. Whoo! You have just thrown a giant monkey wrench in God's universal plan for marriage. You messed it up. I don't think so. 
I just, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I don't think God works that way. Now, believe me, I'll say it again. God's will for your life, man, it's, it's the best possible path. It, it's the only possible path. All right, and there is a path. But understand, I think we've made it too narrow. I think we, we, we've tried to find out the specifics and we've tried to find out all these details and sometimes it paralyzes us because we're just like, I don't know what to do and we want all the answers. Listen, when God speaks in something specific and God has a specific thing that he wants you to do, you're gonna know about it. I'm telling you, look at Jonah's life. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah was like, "Mm mm-mm, don't want to. God was like, go to Nineveh. I don't care if you have to get there. God says, listen, we're going to get you to Nineveh, all right? (laughs) Jonah got thrown overboard. He got swallowed by a whale. He got spit out, vomited out by a whale. And then he got the worst case of sunburn he's ever had in his whole entire life. It didn't go well for him. If you don't get that sunburn part, read the last chapter of Jonah, okay? We never talk about that part. But God will make it very, very clear if he wants you to do something, but I don't think it always works like that. Colossians 3.17. Pull that up. And whatever, highlight that word, circle it, underline it. That's the key. That's the key to everything we're going to talk about. And whatever you do, all-encompassing word. It's kind of an absolute. It covers everything. In word or deed, do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What if God's will for your life is whatever? What if all this time we've been looking for the specific, minute details and God's been saying everything you need to know is in my word? I've laid it all out for you already. What if being in the center of God's plan for our life is about daily walking in his ways? What if it's not his will? What if it's his ways? And what if when we walk in God's ways, we're in the center of of his will for our life. Think about that for a second. What if we've got it all confused, that we've mixed it up? And what if God says, you know what? Just walk, just spend your life every day doing the things I've told you to do, doing the things in Scripture that are abundantly clear. I know they're not easy, but they're clear. I've put them out there so you live your life this way. And when you do that, you're going to be in the center of my will. You're going to be in the center of my plan for your life. God's like, it's way easier than you've been making it, guys. If you'll just walk in the things you do understand, I'll take care of the rest. Listen, God's not up in heaven trying to play some universal game of hot and cold where we're down here wandering around and God's like, warmer, warmer, warmer. No, you're getting cold. Go back colder. No, God says, I've told you. I've laid it all out exactly what you need to know. Listen, God is our heavenly father. And he's a father who cares about us and who loves us and who wants the best for us. Get this, some of us have a warped view of God and it is hard for us to understand. God wants you to be happy. 
God wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to have a joy that people look at and they're like, wow, there's something different about that person. And as a matter of fact, sometimes God gives us choices. And it's not like this choice that you can choose wrong. God says, you know what? You don't know what college to go to? Well, here's the deal. As long as you're going to walk in my ways, as long as you're going to live a life of purity, as long as you're going to stand up for what you believe in, wherever you go, you know what? Pick whatever university, whatever college you want to go to. You want to go out of state, go out of state. You want to stay at home in Pueblo, stay at home in Pueblo. He says, as long as you walk in my ways, you'll be in my will. You're questioning, what job am I supposed to take? Am I supposed to stay at my current job? Am I supposed to take the one that has huge potential? Or am I supposed to, to go way far away and take that dream job? God says, are you going to walk in my ways? He, he says, are, are, are you going to work that job with excellence? Are you going to represent me with honor, with integrity? He goes, is it, how's it going to affect your family? Are you still going to have time to spend at home with your family? And to be the father and the husband that your family needs? Are you still going to be able to give to me and provide for them? If you can't, great. You're walking in my ways, then you're in my will. Take whatever job you want. God gives us choices, and they're all good choices. He says, you know what? Do what you want. Be happy. I love you. I'm your father. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to support you no matter what. Man, guys... We just, we got to understand this. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 puts it this way. Trust in the Lord. Trust in him with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6, in all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. In all your ways, acknowledge God, serve him, love him, worship him, and he's going to direct your paths. He's going to show you where to go. Man, if you make your ways God's ways, then man, he'll reveal his will for your life and he'll use you to accomplish his works. So here's what I want to do in the time I have left. I want to give you three questions that when you come down to it and you're like, what do I do next? Where do I go? Am I in God's will? Am I walking his ways? Three questions you can ask yourself, all right? The first question, how are you living your life today? How are you living your life today? Understand, God doesn't promise us next year. God doesn't promise us next month, next week, the next hour, the next minute. God promises us right now. And he says, how are you living right now? How are you living your life right now? We waste so much time and energy focusing on the future and what we're going to do, what might happen. And God says, no, 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 whatever you do, Whatever you're, not what you might do, not what you're going to do, not what you did. Right now, whatever you do in this moment, are you honoring me? You see, we've got a problem. We want to see the end before we decide if we're willing to walk today. You see, I've got this dream of writing a book one day. And I know some of you are laughing, but it's no joke, all right? I really want to write a book one day. And I've got a title for it. I've got sections and chapters and, and all of this. And, and I've got an idea of what the cover's going to look like. There's one little problem. I haven't written it yet. All right? And, and here's, here's the deal, though. If I was willing, if I knew that as soon as I finished writing this, it was instantly going to be picked up and published and become a New York Times bestseller, and I was going to make all kinds of money, 
I would spend a lot more time writing that book, huh? I would make it a priority. Here's the deal. We do that in our lives. We want to know how it all turns out for us. We want to know the answers to the questions because we're still not sure if walking in God's ways is worth it. We want to know the will of God more than we want to walk in his ways. We're not willing to just daily do what God told us to do right now in this moment. But that's what scripture shows us. Abraham, God came to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I want you to leave everything behind, family, fame, fortune, everything, and go to a place to be determined. (laughs) Go to a place I will show you, scripture says. He didn't tell Abraham where they were going. He really didn't even tell him how they were going to get there. He just said, follow me, walk in my ways, and I'm going to do something awesome. And as Abraham followed God with each step of obedience, God revealed a little bit more of his will for Abraham's life, a little bit more of how he was going to work and use Abraham to do amazing things that would affect history itself. Moses, let me tell you something. Moses understood this. Because Moses wasn't on the backside of the desert looking for burning bushes. He was on the backside of the desert tending sheep, which was probably a job, in my estimation, that he hated. All right? Because you got to understand, Moses grew up in the Egyptian palaces, what was the greatest civilization and the greatest culture of their time. And now he's on the backside of the desert tending sheep. But see, he got a peek at God's will, and he tried to do it his way. Man, it messed things up. He ended up killing a man and having to run for his life. And now he's on the backside of the desert where he learned to just walk every day in God's ways. And God said, okay, now you're ready. Now I can use you to accomplish my will and my works. Because you're living day by day, every day for me. Question number two. Why are you doing what you're doing? In this moment, in this day, why are you doing what you're doing? You see, motives matter to God. Don't forget that God looks at the heart. Don't forget that God cares what you feel and he cares your motivation behind it. That's why Jesus was always in the Pharisee's face. That's why Jesus told him, he goes, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, but on the inside, you're dead and rotting. Because you may do all the right things, but your heart is far from me. So if we want to know if we're walking in God's ways and we're living in his will, we've got to ask ourselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything. Everything. Notice how we're supposed to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. I love 1 Corinthians 10.31. God actually used this verse to speak to me at a point in my life when I was struggling what he wanted me to do. He says, so whether you eat or drink, Taco Bell or Pizza Hut, or whatever, there it is again, whatever you do, do all, absolute. I always circle absolutes, underline them, highlight them, because they're there, it covers everything. I love them. Do all to the glory of God. He says, everything you do, whatever it is, just do it for the glory of God. That's your Why? Listen, you're not doing it for yourself, for your honor, for your fame. You're doing it for God, for his kingdom. You're doing it because you love him and you want to walk in his ways. 
Listen, it means that we understand that God is in complete and total control. And that even when he tells us to do something, even when his ways are difficult and it's not easy, that we do it anyway, that we trust in him, that we rely on him. And when we do it, we do it as representatives, as ambassadors of Christ, that we do it with love. We do it with humility. We do it with a passion. We do it with excellence. Listen, we do it to the very best of our abilities. I truly believe that Christians should be the best at everything. We should be the best doctors, the best lawyers, the best scientists, the best teachers, the best moms, the best dads, everything. Fill in the blank. The best. I believe that because we should do it with excellence for God's glory. I look forward to the day when, when CEOs sit around the boardroom table and they're like, man, if we could just get a few more Christians into this company, we'd be in good shape. Because those Christians, they do everything with excellence. We laugh and we chuckle because we know it's not the case. Because we're guilty of not doing things with excellence. Because even though it means walking in God's ways, it's not what we want. It's not, uh, man, listen, I don't say this to condemn. I say this because I've been there and I felt this and I understood this. And I hope it frees you guys. I hope this turns on the light bulb. Pastor Furtick, the, the guy who, who originally did all this and who I learned it from, he says this, God wants to get you to the place where you can show up to a job that seems insignificant, go through a day that seems pointless, but do that job and live that day with joy and passion because it's not just a job, it's a ministry. And you're not working for a paycheck. You're working to bring God honor and glory. You're doing it for his honor and for his glory. Question number three, who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? Listen, God looks at you and he sees this moment. He doesn't see your past. He sees what you're becoming and how you're embracing this moment. He has wiped away your past. If you've accepted him, if you have not accepted him, he wants to wipe away your past. It doesn't matter where you are. God is saying, listen, it's about who you are becoming. I love the story of the woman caught in adultery. Because after everyone who had condemned her begins to walk away because they'd realized the sin in their own life, Jesus, he, he leans down to her. And, and he doesn't condemn her. He doesn't judge her. He doesn't talk about her past. He says, go and sin no more. And he says the very same thing to us. He goes, it doesn't matter how you've lived this out. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. It, he goes, go and sin no more. Start walking in my ways today. Listen, I understand some of you are in difficult circumstances, in difficult situations. Some of you are, are in relationships that you're questioning and, and you may know are not according to God's ways. You may be living together and you're not married. Listen, you want to start walking in God's ways? Come into our offices on Tuesday morning and fill out the paperwork. Get married. Begin doing things God's way, not your way. You may be struggling. You may just not want to be involved. I want to do things, but you're so in debt and you're so behind and you're just so struggling with it that you just don't know how to give to God and you don't have time because you're working so much to serve in the church. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. When we walk out of here, hang a left, go into the Welcome Center, go into the information kiosk, sign up for the D3 class called Financial Peace University. Learn to walk in God's ways with your finances. Learn, learn to walk in God's ways with your time. 
Maybe you're here and you're struggling with, man, what you would call dark, dark stuff. Addictions. Man, and you're just like, I can't get out of it. I don't know how. Man, would you just open up to God today and just allow him to take that and to make you clean and to make you whole? God says today is a fresh start. Today is a new beginning. Listen, God does some of his best work in the desert. Man, he does some of his best work in the barren wastelands of our lives. He does more to draw us close to him and to open our eyes and change our heart for him than he ever could in our prosperity. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 5. We rejoice in our sufferings because knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us for while we were still powerless, while we were still weak, while we still had no hope, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us. Christ came and helped us when we couldn't help ourselves. Man, Romans 8, 28, Paul writes and he puts it this way. And we know that in all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, in all things, God works. Not us working, but God working. A God who makes the impossible possible. How does he work? He works for good because he loves you and he wants the best for you. For those who love him, you love him, you're going to walk in his ways. And then he takes, and he begins to take and develop in you this passion. He begins, begins to develop in you this attitude and this heart when you walk in his ways. And now all of a sudden you find yourself walking in his ways because it was one step at a time, one day at a time about who you were becoming. And then he starts to reveal his will and he starts to use you to do things. Guys, it's not as complicated as we made it. God says, let me deal with your past. Let me deal with your future. Just walk in my ways. So ask yourself, how are you living your life today? This moment, this very second. Why? Why are you doing what you're doing? For your glory? For approval? Or to bring God the honor and the praise that he deserves? and look and say, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? 